Yesterday was 9-11. It would be incredible if 9-11 was just a day between 9-10 and 9-12, just another day. But it wasn't, and it isn't, and it never will be again. It's a day of national tragedy. We watched yesterday, I remember, as many people do, uh, you know, when a national tragedy happens, you remember where you were, what you were doing. I hear people talk about when JFK was shot. I remember the, challen the Challenger explosion, but I most definitely remember 9-11-2001. Kelly and I getting ready for work and seeing this unbelievable thing unfold before our eyes and not believing it. But yesterday, as we were watching it and reliving it and seeing some of the videos and seeing, you know, the, the, the flag, I had, I had tears in my eyes, but really deep tears in my spirit because it was tragic. I felt such pain. And you see, you see the flag and it's ripped and a picture with the flag with blood on it and dirt and all this other stuff. And like, you know, it, 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 it hurts. And the flag, when the flag is, is attacked, it causes us pain. There's something tied to that. And this, earlier this week, we watched the movie Pearl Harbor with Annabelle. And, you know, it's a little bit of a cheesy movie, but we talked about the 1,200 men trapped at the bottom of the sea in the Arizona. And we saw again the blood and the national tragedy and the flag floating in the water, ripped in half, blown up by bombs and torpedoes. And I, I wanted to cry when I watched that movie and the flag represents to a degree that pain when you see that. The flag represents something. Why? Because it is a symbol. It's a symbol. What is a symbol? A symbol, by definition, is a thing that represents or stands for something else, especially a material object representing something abstract. Something abstract. I get it. I can see that. You know, as an American during this highly political season, I think of the stars and stripes, you know, old glory, the, the flag. And it represents something very abstract to me and beautiful. Freedom, democracy, sacrifice. The power of this symbol right here extends way beyond just the geographic borders of the United States. That means something to the world even. And, and as an example, Irvin Brionis, we have an uh, 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 immigrant from Nicaragua who for his picture of the flag, and I haven't talked to him, but it represented something abstract, I'm certain. Opportunity, a chance, a new, new something that is hard to really define, but, but it's, it's success and safety for some people who come to the United States. That represents all of that. 
But here's something interesting about a symbol is with all of that patriotic information I just gave you, it's kind of hard to consider this for most, but some people have a very negative impression of this. And even in our country right now, there is a great amount of, of disunity and seeing flags burned and trampled on and all kinds of things that are going on. But the symbol has that ability to represent something both amazingly great and then to other people something horrible and bad. This, this, just, just this, this pattern, this fabric and some sewn on stars and different things like that can mean and does mean that much. On the other hand, well, on the same hand, take this flag and everything that it means as a symbol for the Jewish people. This flag represents God's promises. It represents God's faithfulness. The national anthem says hatikva. It means the hope. That represents hope. And tragically and God forbid to other people, even Jews and Christians, this represents occupation. Nazism. Nazism. But that's the power of a symbol. It conveys these, these abstract ideas, right? Very, 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 very powerful. And it does all that without making a sound. Not a sound. The Bible excels at symbols and abstract ideas. Particularly, we find many of them in the celebrations of the Lord's festivals from Leviticus 23, right? Matzah, as an example. Matzah represents what? Bitterness and, well, maror, but we'll say matzah. Generally speaking, it is slavery and the affliction that was, in, that was put on our people in Egypt. And yet at the very same time, it also represents redemption, hope, freedom, deliverance. Matzah, a cracker? Man, that's pretty good for a symbol. Or how about the Hanukkah, the celebration of Hanukkah? What is it? It's just an eight-branched candelabra. And on one side, what does it represent? Freedom, hope, God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. And at the very same other side of that coin, it represents tyranny, murder, destruction, Antiochus Epiphanes, all these, that's not an abstract concept, that was a real person, but everything he stood for, it's the power of symbols. And then, of course, there's Rosh Hashanah and its associated symbol, which is the shofar. The shofar. And here, a symbol takes a new turn. Because now not only is it visible, but it is an audible symbol. How does a sound become a symbol? Well, the shofar has a voice. 
And that voice is very, very, very powerful for those who are tuned in and willing to listen to what it says. What does it say? Well, I want to tell you something about anchors. You've probably experienced the power of an audible symbol quite often in your life. It is a, there are anchors that we have. Music is a great, great example of an audible anchor, right? It's a, it's a thing that ties you back to something else. It's strange that we can hear a song and instantly be transported back to a previous moment in time. We're reminded of relationships that we had. We're reminded of things that were going on in our lives, experiences, where we lived, what we were doing at a particular time when that song was popular. That's an audio anchor. That's a, a, a symbol. But... What we often experience more than the memories are feelings, which are relatively abstract. Feelings of, was I happy? What was I doing? Where was I in my relationship with the Lord? What, where, where was I with, in relationships with anyone? Was I living? Was I fulfilled? Was I walking closely with God? Was I feeling his peace? Or had I journeyed down the wrong road at that time in my life and felt heaviness? Those memories are emotional anchors to the past. And quite often, those anchors are for better or for worse. I heard a song yesterday driving down the road and for no apparent reason, just an incredible feeling of joy. And then I heard another song not long ago and, and do you know what it anchored me to? The time when, you ready for this? I was a little kid and my big toe nail was like ripped off and it had to be taken off and a song was playing and I like, I don't even know which one it was, but when I hear it, I'm like, ah, That's powerful symbolism, anchors. And it's very well known in my family when we're listening to music, I'll randomly change the station and say, that song makes me feel weird. And everybody knows what it means. It's somehow or another from some part of my past anchored to something that I don't, I just, I don't know why, I just don't want to go back there. I don't like it. Okay. So, big toes, weird music, and Rosh Hashanah. Where are we going? Well, first we should note that Rosh Hashanah is not the Torah's name for the festival, right? It's not the new year. It's, Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. We find that later in the Mishnah, it talks and refers to the festival that way. But one of the many names is what? Yom Hazikaron, the day of remembrance. And we read in the text, it says... Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. That is a zichron truah, a memorial proclaimed with the blast of a shofar, a memorial, an audible symbol, and what are we supposed to remember? Because it doesn't actually tell us what we're supposed to remember. How am I supposed to know what I'm remembering? Well, what should we remember? There's a lot of things we could remember. We could remember biblical events, great, incredible, positive events. The binding of Isaac, remember it? It's called the Akedah, Genesis 22. And what happens? God 
Abraham, go do this thing. Oh, I can't. I don't, okay, I will, but I don't want it. And then don't. Stay your hand, Abraham. There's a ram caught in a thicket. By what? It's horns. It's horns. It's the second day's Torah portion. It's a, it's a reminder. It's, a, it's an anchor of God providing a substitute. We could also go back to Mount Sinai and think of memorials. V'kol shofar chazach me'od and a very loud blast of the shofar and all the people who were in the camp trembled. We could go back to Jericho. We could go back to Yehoshua who had been given these orders. V'shiva ko'onim yisu'u shiva shofarot with seven priests carrying seven rams horns, preceding the ark, and many, many, many more things that we could memorialize with the shofar. But there's a unique and personal remembrance that God asked us to connect with this intense visual and audible symbol. And these connections are connected to, you ready for this? An abstract but life-changing idea that we must confront for better or for worse. This is what we remember. You ready for it? Like so many symbols, anchor songs, the voice of the shofar is supposed to send you backward. If we're tuned in, It's a spiritual anchor, like hearing a song from our past. And yet, as we've discussed, and as I discuss with you every single year, by this point in time, people are so sick of me discussing this with you that they're like, can we please just get through the holidays and wait 50, 48 more weeks until we have to do this again? But this is the look back to the past year, the sound of the shofar, a remembrance of the negative our missteps, our, our failures, our dropped balls, our, 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 the need to come and repent before the Lord in this anchor moment where we're ha- we have to confront the negative. And so it turns us around and makes us go back and feel these feelings of guilt and mm, regret, remorse, and then what we feel is an urge, we should feel an urge to turn, to return, to come back to God. It is a symbol for us doing what a symbol does. It is making a connection for you. And yet, there's a profoundly, profoundly, deeply spiritual moment that the sound is designed to bring us back to. It is designed to give you this realization of an abstract concept that only God can provide called forgiveness. Forgiveness. But like all of the symbols, these flags and all the other things that we've talked about, there's another side. Yes, We have to look back, we have to consider the negative, we have to do all these things, we have to confront our failures. But the voice of the shofar, while it can be anchored to the not so good, is also an incredibly powerful anchor to hope for the future, right? I mean, that's what the whole thing is supposed to be about. It's a call to action, a return to something great, a return to what we could be. 
It's divinely capable of anchoring you to the what-is-yet-to-come awesomeness that God has for you. It's a call to action. It's the symbol through sight and sound of right relationship. And you know what? It's really not that pretty of a sound. And I'll tell you something, it's really, really difficult to blow the shofar a hundred times. That is a lot of breath. It's a lot of like your tongue and lips are numb by the end of this thing. Actually, by around blast 30, you're feeling like, oh, it's not even that beautiful of a sound. But the thing about this is the sound is not really the main point. It's the power of the symbol. It's the abstract idea that it stirs up within you. It's the feelings that your spirit is supposed to encounter. Abraham saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And God told him, because you've done this thing, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm taking you to be me, my guy. I'm conferring my covenant with you. A relationship was born. And what was, at the, what was at the heart of it? The ram's horns. There's some really cool midrash about what we're going to do with those ram's horns, what God's going to do with them. That's another story. But, but that symbol, that ram, was the symbol of a relationship. When Israel gathered at Sinai and the voice of the shofar was, was growing louder and louder, the people heard the voice and it represented something. It represented God saying, I want to have a relationship with you. Here it was the sound and they connected it to God. That is the sight and sound of what God wants to do with us here and now, right now, for better, not for worse, to reconnect, to get re-anchored. Because yes, part of it is being drawn back to the past and saying, God, I have failed miserably. And the symbol confronts our worst, and at the same time, it calls with that voice, come back and look what I have. And much more powerful. You, you want just one remembrance for us in the looking forward of the shofar. This is the sound that Messiah will return to the earth with, right? That's hope. Man, that's hope. So I know, I know it gets a little old by this point. I'm with you. But I want to I leave you with something today that I want you to think of, a visual anchor that I saw this week. And I want to plant it in your mind. And I think it'll stick with you through these last days of Elul, through Rosh Hashanah, and even further than that, God willing, every day of your life. We do a lot of stuff on computers these days, you know. I type a lot, a lot. I'm always writing stuff and there are plenty of times when I'll start a project, I'm working on a blog or a message or something, and I start writing it out, and I get a number of things on the page, and, and I look back and I say, start to read it, it makes absolutely no sense at all. And so I say, I don't like this. I'm, I'm going to get rid of this. And what's so wonderful about that, I want to, I, I don't like this, I don't like it is where it, where it is right now, I want to go a very different direction, and there's this amazing thing I do, control A highlights all of the text, whether it's one or one million words, and the next thing you know, 
poof, it's gone, right? That's great. Other than all the time you wasted writing what you're not going to use. Now picture this. Picture this. Imagine the task of writing down in Microsoft Word or Pages, whatever your preferred word processing application may be. Imagine sitting down and writing out your life's failures. All of them from top to bottom. Or or if that's going to take you the next couple of years like it would take me, how about just last year? A list in paragraph form, whatever makes you happy, outlined. Imagine it, writing it all down. Yeah? That would be incredible, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. But that's exactly what the one side of the shofar calls you to do. That's not very uplifting. But then, having completed this act of awareness, of admission, this act of acknowledgement, we're going to hit command A. And what happens? It's all highlighted. Now it's really in your face. It's highlighted. Right? And then I'm going to hit one more button. On my Mac, it's just under the delete key. But it can't be delete. It's not that easy. for what we're talking about. It's close, but it's different. I've confronted them. I've acknowledged them. I have control aid them. And now, a large button, one word, return. And it's all gone. And you know what lies before me now? Is the second side of the shofar's call. A blinking cursor and a blank page that says that's gone. And what I write from here is up to me. And how I control my inclinations and my temper and my tongue and all the things. The sound of the shofar gives me a whole new world. So you know what? Return. It's a, it's a nice high holiday word. Chuva. I'm going to scratch out return on my keyboard and I'm going to write in with white out shuv. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something, and this is 
This is incredibly convicting. Men, the computer is a very, very dangerous place for us. It's dangerous for everybody, but men have a particular weakness, and I know that you know what I'm talking about. Men, I want you to put this anchor in your mind. I am not suggesting that anyone in here is involved in any nefarious activities on their computer, but you put that in your mind. And I want you to think, but guys, for everyone, you write a text message, you write an email, you do something at work, Every day you are confronted with the return. That, I think, for me is the message of this Rosh Hashanah. We have the day ahead coming up. We've spent the last 30 days being called backwards by the sound of the shofar. Next week, control A and return. That's what I want you to hear when you hear the sound of the shofar. You can return to two places, who you have been or who you want to be. And that is your choice. So may the sight and sound of the shofar accomplish its divine purpose in our lives during these high holidays, helping us to deal with our negative past and live with hope for the promised future, which will be announced by the sound of the shofar. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.